Welcome to Bridge to Leadership with Neha. Together, we decode what leading means in the real world to grow your impact and influence. But it is definitely, as you mentioned, it is a difficult situation, both for her bosses as well as herself. What stands out for me in your advice is to take care of yourself. I think if we are personally in a good place and our self-esteem is taken care of, then I think most of the other things, including the, the pressures that others are putting on us can be, can be managed and we can offer some help to others. Yeah, also understand everything is cyclical. It, it doesn't, you know, doesn't create a lot of knowledge. <laughs> it's, not yeah, it, it's not very helpful when it's, you're in the middle of it. Um, but, uh, you know, everything is cyclical. I also would say that I, from, from what we, on a macro level, what we have uh, done to weather what we knew was coming um, has lessened the, the upside down bell curve of what we're experiencing. Um, I mean, you're even getting, you know, questions now about, well, we will we even be in a recession. I, th- I think there, because of the um, abundance of apprehension and concern about what we were, were entering um, starting really last summer, maybe even a little earlier, a lot of companies and, and, and organizations and people um, shored up their defenses and, uh, and, and, and added additional financial and organizational rigor to what they do. So it was good. It was, you know, it's a, it's a good cleaning of house sometimes, to, you know, no matter how much you need to clean or don't clean um, to go through and say, okay, what are we really focusing on? Let's tighten up our ICP. Let's tighten up our processes. You know, let's not try to automate everything, but let's find um, useful processes that are really valuable that we can, we can, um, you know, leverage and, and, and get to a higher rate of, of efficiency, either digitation or not. But what's what are some of the things that we're doing that aren't working and we should, you know, get rid of? What are the there's a Bill Gates says if you if you uh, basically he says if you scale an inefficient process, all you've done is maximize the inefficiencies and spread them throughout the organization. So, you know, that's that's no good. Um, although it looks as if it was useful, it's a, it's a time to really focus on what's important. Yeah, and I think scaling is a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice word. It's very attractive, but. Uh, not always the best use of time and resources. <laughs> yeah. We have um, another question uh, that has come from Abhishek. And he says, uh, Abhishek Singh says, well, what is your suggestion on imposter syndrome for today's emerging leaders? You know, I, let's just start with imposter syndrome, which I, I find to be interesting because so much of what we're doing uh, is brand new. I mean, it can be argued how long customer success has been around, or it can be argued how long, you know, SaaS, let's just look at that, how long it's been around. Um, there's not a lot of history. And so quite often when we are working hard and succeeding, we question ourselves because it's new territory. Um, we're, we're, we're taking opportunities and challenges and be being productive and hopefully profitable with them. So it leads us to this place where we're like, oh my gosh, you know, like this is working. Um, am I missing something? You know, did I, you know, I could be in the laboratory and, and conduct an experiment and oh my gosh, it's, it's incredible. What have I, have I created a monster or have I created a, an, you know, something amazing? And so the, the questions come in because there's not a lot 
of background to 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 lean back on and not a lot of you know examples that that might have uh, given you a, a good reflection that what you're doing is you know been done before and etc et so the the imposter syndrome in and of itself um, comes from a place where so much is brand new so much is growing and and so much is changing that it, it it's a lot to take on and it's a new new experiences new successes um, and so that self-doubt can creep in and it's much like anything else, the more attention and energy you give it, the more it grows. And so, you know, one line I really like is feelings are not facts. All right. So if I have self-doubt, um, did I park my car correctly? Do I need to go out and look at it eight times? Did I uh, turn off the lights before I went to bed? Do I need to go downstairs and, and you know, like, so these little things of self-doubt that creep in are often just useless, right? Uh, look at the look at the facts, look at with the evidence, and uh, you know, and so that's where you start. But where you start with that is in a vacuum, because sometimes my, I'm a one-man audience and I'm not the best audience to give feedback to or, or even from. So I really need to look at you know my peers. I need to have discussions with those that I'm I'm working with. I need to have discussions with my customers. I, I need to have them, you know, feedback, you know, uh, and it, make sure that, you know, we're, we're on the same page. Um, there's this thing about communication. I don't know if there's such a thing as over communication. I mean, surely you can get annoying and, you know, you know, over, over abuse a, a cadence, you know, and with email or something, but in regards to communication, like being clear, being concise and being constructive it, it, there's a lot of value to that. And, you know, documentation is helpful. So the first thing I would do is, is you know, document your achievements, share your achievements. Um, you want to be doing that anyways, um, as in your professional and personal life, but doing that. So that'd be number one. Uh, number two, I'd go to, to, you know, mentoring. If you feel as if you're in a place where a, you could uh, benefit from having a, a coach or a mentor or a leader that, can help advise you and, you know, just check off on, yep, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. Oh, hold on a minute. You might want to think about something there. Um, and so that, that would be helpful if you have a, somebody that's uh, senior or has more experience to help you do that. Um, that kind of fits into to another thing I would say is about seeking feedback. The best feed, the feedback that I like is uh, when somebody says, I don't know if you want to hear this or you know, I, I'm not certain if I should share this. I'm like all ears. I'm like, oh, cool. What's this gem going to be? Like, what do I, what am I missing? What do I not know? What do, what do they think? I don't want to hear. That's interesting, Jeff. Next time I want your attention. That's how I'll start. doesn't matter what I say after that. Yeah. Because, you know, you kind of, <laughs> you, you, you've diffused the whole situation. So, you know, you could come up with anything, you know, I, I think there's an, an elephant that's about to step on your head, you know, or come whatever. So, so that's another thing. Um, Particularly in COVID, we all saw this, uh, joining professional groups, um, networking with peers, getting in with, uh, you know, um, you know, other groups, either, you know, professionally and or personally that um, that you can you can bond and meld with. Um, you know, LinkedIn's great for that. There's a ton of great Slack communities. Um, so, you know, all you need is a computer and a, and a connection um, and you can get tied in with people that are doing the same thing you are, that are having the same challenges or having the same successes. Um, so, so I would do that. You know, the other thing is I, before you can get to a imposter syndrome, you have to look at, you know, the expectations of yourself, um, and, and do they match up, you know, to what is realistic and do they match up to what your, your organization is asking for. 
So you want to make sure there's there's alignment there. And after that, uh, you know, you kind of want to just sit down and and practice, you know, some some things that anybody would would tell you is about self-acceptance and uh, self-compassion. You know, when I was born, unfortunately, I did not get an owner's manual. So, um, you know, I didn't have this very clear set of instructions of what life was going to be like. And I certainly didn't think I'd ever, you know, I had no idea that I'd end up here, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but we're all doing this for the first time, you know, like every day that I, that I go through life is the next new day, um, that I don't have experience from, I only have experience from, from what's behind me. So, you know, give yourself a break once in a while, you know, we're all just, you know, trying to figure this thing out together. Um, so, you know, the, the imposter syndrome is, is terrible. I know so many people that suffer from it. I have in the past. Um, you know, especially when, when your career, um, and things are accelerating, um, you know, there are times when the market's really good, your company's really good, your peers are really good. Um, the opportunities are great. Customers are killing it and you really start to get on a rocket ship. I can remember, um, not too long ago at, at pipe drive, um, telling my entire team weekly on our all hands, Hey guys, we're living in a moment. So, so just look around you like because a lot of people hadn't you know had eventually became a unicorn and all that but having gone through other exits and other successes i had been through other moments so i knew for you know for the time that 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 lasted i i knew we were in a moment it was very very hard work um incredibly difficult um dealing you know with a lot of uh, forces you know inside and outside of our organization and pe firm and all of that very, very challenging. Um, but I could very clearly look them in the eyes and you're living in a very special moment. You're part of a very special thing right now and embrace it and take a moment and breathe it and be present with it. Um, so it's the same with imposter syndrome. Like it's a, a false message that is coming from somewhere that you can, you know, rationalize or you just ignore it and brush it off. Fantastic to know that, Jeff. What has worked with me are some of the things that you mentioned. One was really giving up being a perfectionist. Like you mentioned that you really need to take a stock of the expectations you have from yourself and doing things which were less than perfect, but doing them and looking at the progress was very helpful for me. And I, I think somewhere down the line, imposter syndrome also happens when you're not succeeding when things are things are bad and you really question yourself when you get an opportunity let's say you've been out of job and suddenly somebody gives you a call and say hey let's meet and you know talk about it i have a fantastic opening for you and you've just gone through a slump so much that you're questioning yourself did you read my cv wrong did you read the name wrong has you got the wrong number i don't even know if i qualify for the job so yeah i i, I think just take it as it comes, be in the moment, breathe in, be yourself and, and do your best. And I, I think taking action has helped me. My syndrome, just take action. It will not be perfect. You will do some things wrong, but just keep walking. Uh, that's worked for me. Yeah, you you nailed it right there. Um, you know, that that thing that we look at, it seems like such an insurmountable thing or we have some anxiety about. Um, it's just walking through it and and really proving to yourself that was nothing. That's not a big deal. So, and enjoying it, you know, there's, 
I'll tell you, I had a, a great conversation with my brother when I was in Paris and, you know, he shared with me, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to do a demo and I get really anxious and I sweat three pounds. And I was like, really? Wow. Okay. So, you know, a little, little perspiration and a little nervousness and jitters. It's just, you know, your, your system telling you, Hey, this is going to be a, a big thing. And, you know, let's go see what this new experience is about. Yeah. Look at it as an adventure. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. All right. So we have, well, we have a question, which is the heart of customer success. And for those who are not from the customer success space or from the SaaS space, that's all right. But chances are you have dealt with the situation and you would find relevance here. We have a question from Madhu who says, how to manage the show when customer asks a very complex question about our product during a crucial call, like account expansion, yes, that is crucial, or a churn call, even more crucial. I don't want to sound like I will check back and get back to you and how do you handle it? It's a very subjective question. I'm eager to know what your response is going to be. I've seen, I've, I've sat through zillions of such situations and I'm loving the break that I'm taking from work precisely because of these situations. You know, well, well, we've all been there, you know, all over the map. We've all been there. Um, we're a point where you just don't have the answer. And so there, there's no, there's no simple way to, to work with this one. So you just got to face the music. I will share, um, you know, I've been in, in situations, very high level, stressful situations where I knew that the individual that was asking me questions was just trying to get to the point where I ran out of answers before we even got there. And so, you know, a little smile comes across my face and I understand what they're trying to do uh, and I'll let them go with it. You know, what, what the heck? Um, they, they need something out of this interaction that I don't, but, uh, I'm not going to stop them. So very uncomfortable, um, oftentimes ego driven and unfortunate, but that's life. So, you know, you want to humble yourself and, um, you know, there, there's the first thing that you do not want to do is, you know, any sort of distraction or, um, blowing smoke or, you know, whatever you want to say, um, definitely not any untruths or promises that can't be held. So that's, you know, non-negotiable right there. And um, say it's stay calm and, and start there and say, well, okay, I'm going to acknowledge the question. I'm going to acknowledge the the complexity of it. And I'm also going to acknowledge the value. There's there's some value in, in whatever line of, of questioning is going on. So you want to do that. You want to engage the customer and as much as you can from there, make it a discussion that you can learn everything that envelops this question. Why is it being asked? Are there other variables, people, tools, you know, financial things that you don't know? Um, so continue with the whys and and figure out, you know, get as much context as you can around the question. Um, absolutely offer to provide very detailed information at a point in time that you're going to hold yourself to, you know, explain that. Uh, you need to get additional resources. Uh, you know, CSMs. You know, we li we live in a really awesome, unique spot. I call it the Penn Station of our customers and our companies, where we see every everything coming and going and seeing all the traffic. And so, it's very understandable that you would need to get additional resources, um, subject matter experts, and uh, knowledge workers involved in order to get to 
the answer or the, the solution that this individual or this organization is looking for. And so that's very valid. You might want to suggest a follow-up meeting as well as you know what you're going to provide in detailed follow-up at that point in time that you're going to hold yourself to, whether it's two days, two weeks, two months. Um, and uh, you know a- anybody from your organization that might be with you, whether it's a QBR or maybe it's a larger implementation or onboarding call, ask those individuals step if anybody else has other ideas or input that could be useful and round out and complete the conversation as much as you can get as much information as you can provide you know opportunity uh, for individuals to share where this is all coming from acknowledge uh, that you need additional resources in order to best complete uh, you know the request that's that's coming uh, coming through and stay confident you know, there's no there's no no reason in the world why why you can't not know something. There's this beautiful thing that I like to say is there, um, it's not mine, but it comes from somewhere. I I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And then I don't know what I don't know. That's just life. So that's, you know, again, complete the the environment around the question as much as possible. Uh, Know that you're going to shore it up with resources um, you're going to be a complete professional and 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 fill it out and and complete the request at a time in the future. And that should be if that can't be respected, I you know there's nothing else to work with. Yeah, no, I I completely understand. So I just want to add here that the answer that you have given us, Jeff, um, it's very valid because you can't always know everything. But there are these ninety ninety five percent of the situations where the basis can be covered. For example, if you are a CSM on an account, make sure you know your product cold. And if you are new in the company, then make sure you are going on enough meetings so that you're exposed to a lot of questions that the clients ask you so that other than those five to 10% of the situations where you genuinely have to say, I don't know, which the client would also respect, but in the 90% of the situations, don't say, I don't know, because those might be the situations where you should know the answer. So, you know, know your product, know your customer, know the basics, do your homework, and give yourself, cut yourself slack in those 5 to 10% of the cases where you actually need to tell the client that, look, this is not a very common question that we receive and I and I really want to go back and get you the best answer that I can and accept the situation where sometimes it's actually a hostile meeting and you know somebody's actually trying to put you in a tight spot that's that's possible so be graceful in those situations taking product knowledge and research for you know as table stakes yeah yeah yeah, absolutely no I I got that totally so I'm just spelling it out for for the folks out there I think I'm going to come to a question about AI, and it comes from Alexander, who happens to be the CEO of BrightMind Agency. And he's asking us, how do you think a leader can incorporate AI to assist them? You answered a part of it earlier, but in case you want to add something to it. Yeah, the, the, it's just coming, just part of something I, I, I didn't say before, you know, beyond the you know lifting it by yourself and then the you know finding uh so finding the tools that are going to be something you can use individually or in a, in a small team environment uh allowing the tools that you have to, to maturate and bring that technology in the fold and 
and, and most of them are already on the way already started there so you want to dig in deep that that way and stay on the on top of it um because these companies are releasing uh, this technology um sometimes without documentation ahead of time so if you're in it you you will see it before it, it gets documented and uh published and then the the, the add-on tools the the other thing that i would say as a leader um it, you know incorporating is making it available making it accessible and supporting your team in the development i say this from from years of experience with bi tools i come from you know a heavy bi background with business objects and microstrategy and you know burst and things like that um so when i when I have a team of a of a considerable size, and we have either a very healthy IT um, infrastructure, or we have our or that and a CS ops team that can can help support uh, a robust tech stack, then I I allow my team to ideate on the tools and the processes that are going to be best for us. You know, I don't always have the best ideas. I don't always see what you know. How to get answers to, uh, you know, anal churn analysis, right? So if if my team comes to me and says, you know, there's a, I have come from a place where we've used uh, Looker, for example, or Tableau, um, for really great reasons for both of those tools, then I'll say, all right, well, you know, maybe we can we can run a test, we can run a little pilot, let's you know see what we got here. Maybe there's a a freemium tool that we can use that will give us some of the same kind of base functionality that will help us to answer those questions. So. As a leader, you know it's it's ideating and bubbling up from your ICs and from your teams on the best ways to approach um, not just problems but also new valuable developments. And so, I would be always promoting an environment of you know, inquisitive, proactive research, and that's where you want to hire to those profiles, right? We kind of touched on this earlier. You want to hire to profiles of people that are incredibly curious. Um, very entrepreneurial and have a wealth of experiences that don't always necessarily have to meet, you know, every single uh, line item that you're looking for, but, you know, taking on folks that come from different areas, different, different uh, verticals and tool sets and, and uh, ways of problem solving that can add to your, your team, maybe not immediately, but in the future, you see that, Hey, we're, we're going to be growing from a dozen people to, you know, three dozen, um, you know, in our hiring projections over the next two years, I'm going to need folks that have additional and deeper tool set knowledge uh, to help us develop. And so that has been highly valuable. So I would, I would do the same approach with AI. Um, again, whether it's, you know, chat GPT, or whatever tool tools are out there, uh, allowing time and space, um, training and development and learning so that individuals can pick up new tools and really bring additional value to your team for places that you can't foresee uh, exactly today. Yeah, I think that is important part that it's such a new technology. We we are still yet to see what what it can do, and it's very difficult to have a very clear vision of what the world is going to be when AI is democratized more than what it is today. So, thank you for your for your inputs on that one. We also see that it, from the largest players in the world and the billions, literally billions of dollars that are being invested by single organizations in the technology, as well as small startups that are sprouting up all over the place, we don't know where technologies are going to really hit home runs. I mean, 90% of startups fail. So you know, that 10% or that we don't even know exist right now, 
Um, we don't want to go all in with one, the other, or, you know, say, this is what we're going to do for the, even the next 12 months, because with the amount of uh, funding and, and the way the technology changes, and you just look at Moore's law, you know, this thing could really take off in any sort of offshoot. So you want to be open and, and open-minded and available to receiving those technologies and the opportunity to maximize that for your company and your, and your, your customers um, as much as possible. Absolutely. That's, that's a fantastic perspective. Especially for, you know, even I was like, okay, I get it. AI is big, but what do I do with it now? <laughs> so that's that's a fantastic perspective here. I'm going to come to the last question from our community. And after that, I'm going to ask you a question. And that would be my question to you. So we have a question. And no, I did not add it to the questions. It's impromptu. So uh, we have a question from Vidya. And she says, Ensuring a customer-centric approach is a shared responsibility, yet not all cross-functional teams are willing to accept it. How can the leadership team promote a customer-focused mindset and make it a KPI for all, ultimately benefiting both the customers and the company? Quite simply, Vidya's put the answer in her question um, the way that I, I heard it. So said, how can the leadership team uh, promote customer-focused mindset and uh, make it a KPI for all. Well, do just that. <laughs> you know, um, I'll, I'll illustrate the example and I'll, I'll break it down a, a little bit. As an organization and the leader, if if your leader really understands customer centricity and they talk to customers, maybe even quarterly, maybe even you bring a customer into a all hands meeting. Um, and not even just a customer that's shiny and polished and you know shooting to the moon, but a, a, a customer that's grown with you, had some challenges, gave you some input, you've worked together. Maybe you have a customer advisory board. Maybe you have a, a VOC or a voice of customer uh, motion and committee uh, or function. So if you have a leader that is truly customer centric, then they will take that and infuse it as part of a functional organizational accountable uh, metric or series of metrics, whether it's a customer dashboard, which has NPS and customer health or, you know, whatever metrics you want to throw out there. And um, we can argue about any of those all day long. We could have a whole nother conversation. All that matters is that they're valid um, and they can be invalid for a whole host of reasons, but they can be valid for, for reasons as well. So whether it's customer SAT or, you know, NRR, uh, retention, Anecdotal feedback is golden. You know, here, here, you know, here's a great win from a customer. Here's a customer that's being challenged. Here's a customer where we failed them. Any good leader, you know, as a leader, I'd much rather tell you about what we missed than what we're doing right. We know what we're doing right. We're still a viable company. So that 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 speaks for itself. But if we can focus on the ways that we can get better at scale. You know, what are the consistent things that we're coming short on? What are the consistent things that our customers are asking for that you know we can we can monetize and dr drive value with? And then those are the things that you'll know you're you're in a customer centric place with a customer centric leader. So if you take you know those big key metrics uh, as I just mentioned, and those are something that's shared across the organization that everybody has eyeballs on, um, whether it's part of a formal compensation. Um, or bonus structure uh, or not, it need, needs to be out there. Of course, the more that you incentivize and and, and attach uh, financial you know rewards and compensation to, the better off you're going to be. That's just 
how it works. Um, so that's the first thing. Now, as a leader, what I have done, and actually I posted about this yesterday um, when I, I posted, I did an interview with Churn Zero, and Corey Webb and, and Human's company about <laughs> the title of it is convincing your, your CEO to invest more in CS. And in there, um, some slides, I show how I took spreadsheets that had, and it's, they're all mock now, but they're, they're, this is what I did, took spreadsheets that come from our corporate level to the revenue teams to our team. And then my IC, everybody from my middle management to my team leaders to my ICs see exactly how their compensation structure and the KPIs that they're measured on, whether even if they're just their MBOs, so they're not directly tied to compensation, but there's something that we measure on quarterly, draw directly back up to the North Star metrics that we're tracking as a company. Past, those have largely been uh, NRR and retention. Very easy and very easy to structure. So clear that I've been able to negotiate and win bonus and bonus structures for my CS ops teams based upon our department's performance, something that I'm very proud of. Um, and they, I thank my, my old COO, Michael, for that, that collaboration and partnership to get that done, which was not easy. So you, you want to look at what you're drawing at a corporate level, how it serves the customers, and how you draw that all the way down to every single individual on the team. And, and you, you answer the question of, how do we get cross-functional teams on the same page? You can also do other things, initial init, initiatives on the side. I'll give you an example. You can take from either your CRM or your CSP or just spreadsheets, which I've done in the past, and have your CSMs tag and identify the top five requests or trouble issues that are coming through, whether they're formally coming through in tickets or whether they're coming through in calls or just simply things that your, your CSMs are identifying as issues, and then aggregating those, attaching companies and their revenue numbers together and saying, okay, we've had 18 issues with, with this particular thing in the past month. That's our top one. We've had 17 issues with this. And then the dollar amounts attached to that and start a regular cadence with your cross-functional leaders and support and product, and maybe even marketing um, to, to work on these together and getting the highest level stakeholders you can generally peers on your level, whether the director or VP or head of and uh, getting those on a monthly and saying, these are things that we're going to work on. These are reasons why. They're hurting our customers. They're hurting our bottom line. There are real dollars attached to them. We've aggregated this up. I would add, add anecdotal evidence to that, whether it's you know snippets from emails, snippets from some Slack, um, call recordings, um, anything <clears throat> that you can do to, to also illustrate the storytelling. So data and storytelling uh, will win the day. And those are side initiatives that you can run while you're looking at ways to make real high-level cross-functional initiatives work. Got it, Jeff. So what I'm hearing is it's it's really a two-way street. While the culture comes from top down, your leader has to be customer-centric. There has to be information that is being fed to them and information in proper business cases that makes sense for, the, for him and gives him ammunition to make his teams work towards it. Yeah, and there, there's a reason why the term culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's because it's true. But that also means um, that although at a, you know, in the macro level at your organization, you know, globally, that could be true. There are ways that you can still succeed for your team and your customers by working through some smaller initiatives. So, you know, it, it, 
I, we'd all love to, to have a magic wand and make every single leader customer centric and understand the, 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 the purpose of putting, you know, the $1 that you, that you uh, spend with your customer facing post-sales team has greater rewards than your, your pre-sales dollar spend. You just, that's how it works. Any set of, set of metrics can, can show you that, but doesn't mean that you're going to change that overnight. I mean, we're, we're living in a, you know, century long belief system on net new sales. And so uh, getting that to a place where uh, the investment and value for nurturing and uh, the customers that you already have is still, you know, we're still through process where we're trying to build equal equilibrium into that. Absolutely. So there's a lot that we have unpacked today. And we are very grateful to all our members who have sent their questions. It's, it's something that everybody is really going to benefit from. And also gives us an idea what are the things that are valuable to to the community. What are they thinking about? Jeff, I have a question for you. You mentioned that you really need to understand the the customer success philosophy of the teacher who's teaching you before you decide what course you sign up for because it's going to be money and time and effort. So tell us what is your philosophy and how did you develop it as a leader and what do you do with it given that you're in a place where you can influence and you can guide your teams yeah i was asked a, a question um that brought you know i really really think tightly and concisely um i think it was my friend kevin reinhardt who asked me this on on his podcast um csm talk he asked me if you could you boil down CS into one word, what would it be? And the word that immediately came to mind, I hadn't thought about this before, and I'm grateful that he asked the question, was customer success omnipresent. And why I like that word is because in omnipresent, it means that I can always find a solution to a problem. It means that I know I have unlimited resources, identified and not identified, at my fingertips or what I've got to go digging for to get things done. Omnipresent means I'm responsible to myself, to my team, to my company and to my customers, uh, to my investor, investors and, and shareholders. Omnipresent means I make, I make decisions for company and first and, and customers. And then I think about the, the things that, come underneath that. I don't make decisions for for, for my team over my company. Um as long as it's and there are there are there are reasons why you why you do defend your team and you do protect your team and you do give your team safe haven and you do take arrows so that does doesn't affect your team. There are a lot of a lot of reasons why you do things like that. And I'm glad to do that. It's part of the job. But omnipresent means that I'm always that's the other thing. I, I remember when I first when I got my first cell phone, which I didn't want to get. This had to be like 2000 and it sent I kept telling work no 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 and finally I just got a box. And there's the cell phone, a little Nokia thing. And uh you know I I I could tell I told my management I was like I'll have this thing on my nightstand. You can call me 24/7. I better should be a good reason. Um but I'll always be there. And uh you know, that's something that I, I've always wanted to know f- that people could rely on me personally. I had uh, my VP from Business Objects, Greg Lorden, once told me, 
you know, Jeff, what I like about you is when you use VP of sales, what I like about you is when we get our customers, I don't worry about them anymore. I know they're in good hands with Allstate. They're in good hands with Heckler. They made a big impact on me, but that's kind of the way I look at things um, in a lot of aspects. So I want the omnipresence. Um, you can't be all places at all, at all times, but you want to be in a place where, you know, folks can, can rely on you. And we, we all miss the mark from time to time for different reasons. And that's just part of life. But if you, you show up every day and you, you know, and, and put it in and, and, and invest in the experience just to, just to see what it's going to be like, then the rest of it follows along. There's another line I really like. I, I, when I was in college, I hung this over my dorm door because um, college can be tough. Was uh, the, the journey is the reward. You know, it's not about getting that final paper turned in. It's not, a, not about, you know, closing the next deal or getting the next expansion. It's about, okay, what am I doing on a daily basis to keep churning, you know, turning the gears, to keep plugging away. And so the omnipresent, you know, means that you have responsibility and, uh, you know, it's enjoyable. Um, and so that's, that's the way I look at it. And, and CS is such a team sport, um, you know, and CS relies on so many other players and, and the customers that uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, but it goes back to the Penn station analogy too. You know, we got <coughs> excuse me, all these moving parts. And so, you know, you know, ears wide, wide open, uh, eyes always looking ahead, head on a swivel, and and just trying to see how you can take opportunity and help get people moved along to where they're trying to go. Um, that's that's the way I look at it. Thank you so much, Jeff. There's just so much here. I'm going to quickly recap it before we end our our talk. So, number one. Please have a little faith in yourself, no matter what stage you are. You could be succeeding. You could be failing. You could be facing imposter syndrome. Just keep chugging along. And if you really feel bad about yourself, try and get some feedback, some real feedback. Don't judge yourself. For the folks out there who are trying to rise in the SaaS industry and the folks who are trying to switch to SaaS, there is a lot of hope. You bring in a, a lot of information, you bring in a lot of foundation, you, a lot of perspective from the work that you have been doing. The key is to very smartly see where you can add value, make yourself seen, be out there so that people know you exist and opportunities tap you. Don't shy away from applying to opportunities. And don't think that because you don't have a certain background, you're not going to be considered. That's That's pretty much not the case here. On, on certain questions in terms of difficult leadership problems, like how to deal with difficult clients, how to deal with difficult bosses, what do you do in, in case of uh, difficult challenges when, it, when your career suddenly takes a different turn, which throws your personal life and every other thing haywire? Just anchor yourself in your authenticity. Do the best that you can. There are times when you wouldn't know all the answers either to your bosses or to your customers or to your family, to yourself. So take it in. It's okay. Cut yourself some slack. Know that you've done your best and be graceful in those circumstances. But keep adding value and keep taking actions. And we are so glad that Jeff could spend time with us. And I can't wait for this episode to release. 
Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, this has been a true pleasure to uh, you know do do this a lot, and this uh, conversation has has uh, meant a lot to me. So I uh, and anybody out there that uh, is watching this, and I appreciate the time and the effort that you put in to to invest in yourself uh, and and the community, uh, Bridge for Leadership community. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, easy to find. Jeff Heckler. I don't think there are many of me out there with the same name. So happy to connect. Just uh, pass me along a note and uh, we'll all continue to learn and grow and prosper together. Thank you, Jeff. And I'll be putting all the details of the resources mentioned in today's talk in the show notes. So you will find them very easily. Thank you so much, Jeff. So that's it, folks. You have been listening to Bridge to Leadership, a platform where leaders find their kindred spirits. I'm your host, Neha Singh. Know more about us on bridgetoleadership.in. You can also follow us on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes.